Uh, we are here live with people in the room. Prove it. There we go. Good. Yeah. Exciting. Uh, we are here in week two of the Haunted series uh, because October is the Haunted Month and because I liked the thing, the screen that I made. Uh, but last week we talked about the fear of the unknown. We talked about the, the spies that Moses sent into the promised land and how there were 12 of them. Ten of them came back and said, yeah, this is terrifying. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if we can handle this. We don't know uh, what, like, I mean, it's not like God has uh, crossed us across the Red Sea. It's not like he delivered us from slavery. It's not like he brought us manna. Like, it's not any of this. Uh, I don't know what to do. And then you had two who were like, wait, like, actually, God did do those things. Like, God is with us. And yet we all succumb to the fear of the unknown sometimes. It's so hard to look at different things, uh, like you know, college coming up, or the next year of high school, if you're going from middle school to high school, from elementary to middle school, uh, you're getting your first job, or you're going on your first date, or you just like all kinds of things in life. Uh, you know, in 2020, there's no shortage of things that we simply don't know. Um, if you ask anyone in, in charge of anything, like, hey, you know, when is the COVID stuff going to be over? When are we going to be back to normal? I don't know. And so that's all unknown. And that can be very scary because even if you're not a planner, you kind of want to at least have an idea of what to expect. Uh, you want to know what's on the test. You want to know what is going to happen if you choose this. You want to know what is going to happen if this, if that. Like you want to know. And we understand that it's impossible to know most times. And yet it's also important to understand that that fear shouldn't stop you from going forward. Uh, you should also have a, a respect for it. Uh, one of the things that I want to say before I go to week two, we often, the world, everybody, kind of often defines bravery in the wrong way. Uh, we kind of look to bravery as somebody who just runs out and does something or jumps off a cliff or, or whatever, and we think, well, they're never scared. Like, they never have any fear. That's not, not right at all. Uh, if you never have any fear, you're not very smart. Like, everybody has fear. Everybody has some kind of fear. Everybody in a, a situation that is scary, in a situation that's out of your control, in a situation that's unknown, in a situation where a lot of people are against you, whatever, there's fear. So bravery is not the lack of fear. It's the ability to look past it, to move past it, which is what I want to talk about this week in which we're going to talk about the fear of overwhelming odds. It's called Against All Odds. And there are going to be times in your life where it feels like everything is stacked against you, where it feels like everybody is against you, where it feels like uh, the referees are against you, it feels like the students are against you, it feels like the teachers are against you, it feels like the world, your parents, whoever, are against you, and you feel like you're this lone voice in the woods, and, and just there are so many odds, everything against you. And so I want to talk about that to a, a situation in Judges chapter 7. So Jerob Baal, that is Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the, Midianite, Mad, the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. Uh, this is an interesting situation because the armies they were going against were very big, like hundreds of thousands, I believe. And, and so already they were outnumbered. And yet God is like, hey, they're going to be cocky. Now, he knows people. He knows all of us. He knows the Israelites. He knows their history. Uh, and so it's not just like uh, the fact that they were scared. 
It's the fact that they couldn't see past that fear. And that's the important thing here. You see, out of the, what is it, 32,000 there, 22,000 left, 10,000 stayed. It's not that the 10,000 weren't scared. It's that they were like, okay, we are scared, but we trust God. Or, or we are scared, but we know that together we can do this. Or uh, it, it's something that, that we know there are tremendous odds against us, but we can still try. We can still move forward. There's a famous saying that if you look at it too deeply, it doesn't make much sense. Uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. You know, technically that's not entirely true, but we understand that the meaning there is that if you don't try, then you never know. And that's an important thing. Also, and this is where it gets difficult, there are times that you shouldn't try because it's something that, that you shouldn't do, etc. But with this situation, uh, it's interesting to me because to stand up, like if I were to right now uh, say, hey, you know, we're going to go fight the church down the street. And we're going to meet in the, in the, the, the alley, and we're going to just go at them. Uh, ben brought the weapons, and, and, and Rob has, has the gear for us, and we're all going to be prepared, and, and it's going to be ready. And uh, by the way, I know that there are, what, 15, 20 people here, uh, maybe less, maybe more, whoever, whatever. But there's not, you know, a dozen people here. Uh, they have 350. And so it's going to be a tough fight. And also, out of the 350, uh, 50 of them used to be professional football players, but, but it was for the Bengals, so we're okay still. Uh, and so, and so it, it's, it's, you're, mo all of us are going to be like, uh, yeah, us against like 350 people, like professional athletes. Uh, that's, that's scary. And you know, some of us rightfully would be like, I didn't come here to fight. Like, this is crazy. Uh, but anyway, if I were to say, okay, now, you know, the situation. So out of all of you, Whoever is scared can go home. Uh, everybody here would have some fear of that, naturally. It, it's just rational to have fear. But if you were to stand up, like, can you imagine being the first person to stand up? Like, everybody's going to have their eyes on you. And granted, people will follow you, but being that first person. So the interesting part to me is it takes some bravery for them to admit that they're scared. Now, also, probably some of them just didn't want to fight and they went home. But again, the point is those 10,000. They still had that fear, and yet they still looked beyond it. And so that is what's important. Uh, it's not, don't be afraid. It's not, have no fear. It, it, it's not, you're never going to be scared. It's, you can get past this. It doesn't matter how many people are against you. What matters is who you serve. What matters is how you stand. What matters is who you are. And so I want to go to the next part. Uh, but the Lord told Gideon, there's still too many. Bring them down to the spring. And I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the, the men into two groups. In one group, put all of those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. Uh, in the other group, put all of those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees uh, and drank with their mouths from the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns and all the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. Now, just before I go on, we look at these two things. And the first one we understand. We understand when Gideon said, hey, if you're scared to admit that, to not be willing to fight, to not be willing to stand, to think, well, God can't go past that. You understand why he would cut those people out because in the middle of battle, if they get scared, they're just going to run away. Um, but then this one, at first, when you look at it, it's like, that's really random. Like, who cares how they drink? Like, if they use their hands or they get down, what's that matter? The, the reason behind that is a logical one. 
Uh, if you get down on your knee and you drink from your hands, you're keeping aware of your situation. You're looking around. You're paying attention because you understand you're in a difficult situation. That's something that we all should be aware. Uh, often we charge headfirst into something without really thinking. You'll be like, well, I'm going to do this. I don't care. Everybody's told me no. Everybody said I shouldn't. And we'll just run out and we'll do it. And then you're like, whoa, I'm surrounded. Like, what's happening? Like, this is harder than I thought. This is more difficult than I thought. This is more stressful than I thought. And that can overwhelm you. And so it's not that you never should charge out. It's not that you never should try new things. But it's that if you're, you know, drinking from your hands, if you're looking around, if you're considering, if you're like, well, you know, I really want to try this, or I really want to go to this college, or I really want to major in this, or I really want to try out for this sport, or I really want to ask this person out, or I really want to testify, I really want to get into ministry, I really want to do whatever. To take the time to think, okay, so this is going to be hard, or okay, this is something that I have to consider, to think about that. Uh, those of you who are uh, going towards college, like you've had to probably start think thinking about the next four years of your life, uh, whether you're going to go to college, the, the military, whether you're going to go into the workforce, a trade school, whatever, whatever you're going to do, you have to start thinking. You can't just wait until you graduate and be like, oh, well, I'm done. What now? And so you have to start thinking. And so that's why he split them that way, because the ones that got down on their hands and knees and drank out of the water, they're not paying attention to anything but themselves, anything but what they need. When you are in a situation where there are a lot of people against you, where you're in the minority, where a lot of voices are telling you you're wrong, where a lot of people are saying, yeah, uh, this is what we should do. And you're like, wait, I have to stand up for what's right. Where a lot of people are making fun of somebody, where a lot of people are, are saying awful things or telling awful jokes or just being awful. And you have to stand up and say, man, all of my friends and all of these people are doing this. What should I do? Everybody seems to be doing, going this one way, but I know that this is right. I know that I'm supposed to stand. I know that I'm supposed to be like Jesus. I know I'm supposed to be loving. I know I'm supposed to be kind. That's really scary. Uh, in my life, I've had times like that where I've had to make decisions that are very hard, and it feels like everybody's against me. Uh, it, it feels like, man, I just, what am I going to do? Because it, it's, it's hard in those situations. Because what we want is for everybody to support us. That's a natural thing. What we want is for somebody to say, yeah, this is what's exactly going to happen. And that goes back to the fear of the unknown. That can't happen. And so sometimes you have to stand up and say, yeah, you know, I, I have to put God first or I have to do this or this is just simply a stand I have to take. And in those times, you have to be aware of your surroundings. You have to be aware that it's not just what you want. It's not just you that matters. Now, this does not mean that you don't matter at all. It doesn't mean that, that you should never think of yourself. What it means is, and there's a little phrase that I use, a little acronym, joy. Jesus, others, you. That's the order that as Christians we're supposed to live. We're supposed to look to Jesus first. Like, how do I glorify him? How do I be more like him? How can I love like him? How can I show him in, in the way that I act, in the way that I speak, in the way that I, I, I just simply am? And then others, you know, how can I care about other people? One of the things that, uh, this morning I, I preached about love one another, I preached from First John, and I preached about just how hard it is for me, and for a lot of people, but just to watch during the election cycle how many Christians get caught up in the hypocrisy of everything. How many Christians uh, show hatred when they shouldn't, because we never should. And it's so hard to watch. And so we see that. And the thing that is missing the most, not just from, from churches sometimes, but from everywhere, is empathy for other people. 
Compassion for other people. Caring about other people. Because in the world, and this has always been that way, and it only gets more and more so, in the world, it is always going to be the more common way to be like, well, what I need is what's most important. This is what is best for me, so everybody else has to get in line. Or this is what I think is right, so everybody else better shut up and listen. This is what I want to do, so everybody else should listen. Now, there are going to be times... Again, where you have to make the decision based on, on you, like what college to do, uh, what you want to study, who, what you want to do with your life, things like that. You make that decision and you pray and you talk to people, but it ultimately is your life. But we treat everything like that sometimes. Like how we look at problems, how we look at politics, how we look at school, how we look at treating other people. And, and with that empathy missing, it's largely because people get so focused on what is in front of them, they just drink from the river, straight from the river, instead of, you know, getting on a knee and drinking from their hands while looking around, while saying, you know what, there are so many odds against me. And I'll tell you this, it's always going to be harder to do the right thing than it is to do the easy thing, the wrong thing. Because it's always easier to be selfish, and it's always easier to be greedy, and it's always easier to be cruel, and it's always easier to cheat, and it's always easier to do what's wrong. It's always easier. Like, it's always easier to give in to your temptations. That's always going to be the easier path. And so because of that, more people are going to do it. And so in your lives, it's very hard to be that lone voice sometimes. Like, even if you're friends with other Christians, sometimes you're going to feel like you're the only one that thinks a certain way, or you're the only one that feels a certain way. You're the only one that goes to youth, or you're the only one that, that is trying to live for Jesus. You're the only one that cares about other people. Now, that's not true. A lot of people do. But you're going to feel like that sometimes. And as you get older, it just gets more and more because you're out in the world and, and there are more people around and everything's kind of, uh, you know, go, go, go. Like jobs are like, hey, you know, you got to earn money and you got to do this and you got to get promotions. And so it feels very much like everybody is against you a lot of the time. Now, like I said, that's not technically true, but it feels like that. And when it feels like that, you feel like tremendous odds are against you. When it gets down to 300 people, there's a movie called 300 that's similar to this, not based on this. But it seems like impossible odds. And that's what we feel like sometimes, impossible odds. Uh, there are all kinds of stories that we can look at. There's David and Goliath, impossible odds. Uh, my favorite one is Hoosiers, the movie, is based on this. Milan High School beat a giant Muncie Central High School. Uh, and, and they're like this little school that had like 70 people in the entire school and they beat this giant school with like thousands of people in the school It would be like all of us beating Lakota East in something like it's just the, this ridiculous number and, and and we look at things like that and like yeah impossible things can happen But still when we're faced with impossible odds, it feels impossible Well as they're going like Gideon comes up with a plan Because that's also important to look around. He didn't just say hey God said we're gonna do this and so we're just going to wait for God to go take care of everybody and we're going to sit here. Or we're just going to run out into this big crowd of people with swords and let them surround us. No, he came up with a plan. And he prayed about it and uh, one of his, somebody else had a dream about it. And so he had put a lot of thought into it. He put a lot of prayer. But just because he knew it was right, he still thought about it. He still planned it out. And so they came up with this plan and they went out. And so here we go to, it was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard. When Gideon and the 100 men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp, they split into three groups. Uh, suddenly, they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all of the groups with the horns broke their jars. 
They held the blazing torches in their left hands and horns in their right hands, and they all shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood in his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places as far, as far away as Bethsheda and Zariah and on the border of Abel, Maloah, near Taba. So, a lot of times as Christians, and you see this a lot, you hear this a lot, uh, people will say, God can do anything, and that's true. So, I'm not going against that because I believe that. But they will take that and be like, hey, I can jump off the top of this church and I'll fly, like he'll catch me. Uh, maybe, it is a possibility, but it's stupid to try it. Now, unless God specifically, and you're positive, he's telling you to do something like that, it's, it's dumb. Like, it's just people will say things like that. People will, will live their lives saying, I'm not going to try. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give. I'm not going to care. And God will just take care of everything. That person over there, they need help. Uh, they, like, they're, they're literally on fire right now, but I'm not going to do it. God will take care of it. There's a, a story that I love, and I hope that I get it right, but I didn't plan on saying it, so I'm, we'll see. So there's a man on a roof, and it's after a flood, uh, like Hurricane Katrina or something awful where a lot of damage has happened. And this man has worked his way up to a roof of a house, and like water is everywhere. And he's praying, like, God, please, please, please rescue me. Please help me out of this roof. Help me to live. Like, I want to, to give my life to you. I want to do more. And as he's praying, like, this guy in a, in a rowboat floats by, and he's like, hey, hey, come on, come on. And the guy's like, no, 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 I'm waiting for God. God's going to deliver me. And then the guy goes on. And then as he, you know, he prays more, he's like, God, come on, I, I, I need you. I need you to help me. I need you to lift me up. I need you. I'm against unquestionable odds. Like everything is against me. Please, my necklace just caught my hair. Uh, everything is against me. What am I going to do? Please save me. And then a helicopter is like coming over and through the bullhorn. They're like, hey, hey, you know, we've got room for one more. Can you get on? Can you come on? And they start to put the ladder down. He's like, no, 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 I've got this. It's good. They're like, are you sure? Because nobody's behind us. He's like, no, I'm praying. God's going to do it. And, you know, as the story goes, and it's mostly a joke, as the story goes, uh, he dies because no water, no food, whatever. And, you know, up in heaven, he's like, hey, I prayed. And you've taught that if you, whatever you pray for, Whatever I pray for, you'll give me. And we know that as Christians. So why didn't you rescue me? He's like, I sent someone with a boat. And you ignored them. You looked past them. You didn't think. I sent someone with a helicopter and same thing. You see, we often pray for help with courage. We often pray for help with uh, anger control. We often pray for help with, with tests or whatever. But we don't put any time into preparing. We often pray that our lives get better, and you know, some people, that's really hard. We often pray that we make a difference. We often pray that we live more like Jesus. We often pray that we can love people more. We often pray that we can stand up for him, but then we just wait. And so there is an alternate reality where the Gideon and the 300 are like, okay, God said we'd win, so let's just wait for him to do it. And they sit there. And then the hundreds of thousands come up, and they like come up on them with their horses and their their machine guns and whatever else they had at the time. And they're like, yeah, uh, hands up. And the 300's like, no, 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 God's got this. And then they kill him. And the 300 die. But Gideon's like, okay, God is with me. And he's with us, so he's going to bless our efforts. And so they worked, and they went against the odds. They saw the unquestionable odds. 
And they trusted God. But they trusted that he could work with them, so they ran forward. And they won by being smart, by causing distractions, by doing all these different things. Last thing. Last thing. Uh, Then Gideon sent for the warriors of Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh, who joined in chasing the army of Midian. Uh, Gideon also sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down to attack the Midianites. Cut them off at the shallow crossings of the Jordan River at Beth Barah. So all the men of Ephraim did as they were told. They captured Oreb and Zeb and two Midianite commanders, killing Oreb the, at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the wine press of Zeb. And they continued to chase the Midianites. Afterward, the Israelites brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who were by the Jordan River. So that ended darkly, but still, they won. So the point of that is, in your life, there are going to be times that the odds are against you. And maybe it's something kind of lower stakes as like you really want to make the team or you really want to to get that date, you really want to get this homework grade up, whatever, and it just feels like your parents are scheduling things and the church or the school is scheduling things, you just don't have time and everything just feels like it's against you. There are going to be those times. There are going to be times where it's more severe, where it's like, man, I know I need to do the right thing, but everybody is going to hate me if I stand up. I'm going to lose friends. I'm going to lose family members that that just simply will cut me out of their lives. I'm going to to just lose my popularity or my money even. There are going to be times in your lives where the odds are against you. And you're going to be scared. That is not a failure. Gideon was scared. The 300 that were left were scared. All of the people were scared. And yet, those are the times that you look to God and you say, hey, I need you to help me. And then instead of just stopping and waiting, you come up with a plan and you work and you talk to other people and you're like, okay, how can I bring this grade up? How can I I make the team? How can I try harder? How can I do this? How can I be better? One of the things that I said today uh, near the end was just, as Christians, we're called to be better. Not to act like we're better, but to be kind, to be gentle, to be loving, to be truthful, to be all of these things. To not get caught up in the hatred of the world. That alone puts the odds against us. And yet, we see through this story, we see through the Bible, we see through things that we've known throughout time, that no odds are unbeatable. There is always hope. And here is the, the, the kicker, kind of. There will also be times where the odds are against you and you fail. You feel like you fail. You lose. You don't make the team. You don't get the girl. You don't get the boy. You don't make the grade. Whatever. That does not mean that you failed your life. Because as long as you are alive, there is hope. And as long as you trust in yourself and in God, as long as you move forward, as long as you're trying your best, you'll have other opportunities. This series is about being haunted. Haunted by fears, haunted by your past, haunted by the things around you, by the people, the voices, everything. This is a tough year. And right now, it feels like the odds are against us to getting back to normal. But at some point, we will. Hopefully. But as long as there is life, there is hope. And if God can lead 300 people to this amazing victory, if He can help us with everyday life, then we can trust Him to move forward. So when you feel the fear of the odds against you, don't feel like that's a failure. Everybody feels that fear. 
Just stop and think and pray and do everything you can to move forward and then do everything you can to help other people to feel that support, to feel that love, to be there with you. That's all I got.